it makes it a lot more like accessible, right? Yes. All that, all the new equipment, the Onyx, the, uh, the base map, like even and just the podcast having, and all having podcasts and YouTube videos. It's yeah. just crazy because, you know, we had a few books, you know, I've read Craig Miller's and I grew up reading Miles Keller magazines and articles, you know, and John Eberhardt. And it's like, but seeing something, because me personally, I'm very visual. Like I, I can read a book, like, you know, I can understand it, but I need to go like do it with my own hands and eyes. And then it's like, okay, that makes sense. And now with YouTube, like you could spend, I mean, you, I'm sure you see it. There's a million people on YouTube talking about things they, ne they never done, but they watch enough videos. They sound like experts. And it's like, <laughs> probably never done that, but it sounds good. And right. people are buying what you're selling. It's like, well, good for you, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the other thing is talk about shit that you've done and that you know. If you don't know it, like, and you want to talk about it, then go try it. Yep. And see what you know. You know. I, yeah. If you see me talk about it and, and explain it, usually because I've done it and had success. And like doing it's one thing, but having success is a totally different thing. So yeah, like guys always say, I hunt over beds in the morning. Have you killed anything? Like, yeah, you can do it, but are you killing? Like there's there's doing and then there's like actually like really doing it so it's like there is levels to this and youtube yeah. i mean youtube's got a lot of people that are talking that they're doing it but they ain't i don't think they're doing it yeah that, no that, and that, I, and I have i will i will honestly say that i have made i like that buck bed video that i made the yeah. other day right like that is that is everything you hear about and everything you look for <laughs> and i'm like perfect how can i get in here and hunt this and everything and i've found beds like that previously but mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as your comment uh, on that, just like, hey, try to get the maybe try to get there early in the morning before he gets there, because in the evening, who the hell knows which way he's going to go I've, But in the like, morning. This is where he's coming. Yes. Right? It, I'm the same way because I've, you know, I started hunting over beds in the morning pretty much because I wasn't having success doing the, the shift. I'm going to hunt low at dark first hour. I'm going to run up the hill, run up the mountain and sit on the spots. So I'm like. That just seems like a lot of noise and work. And I was like, <laughs> I tried it. I was because that's what people were saying you need to do. And I'm like, this sucks. And I was like, I'm finding beds and I'm just getting 30 yards off it or 20 yards off it. And I'm gonna hope for the best. Play the wind, play the thermals. And and it literally like once I started doing that, and I was like, this works for it, it's just I know I can beat that buck there. I can get there at two o'clock in the morning. Like I'll wait him out. You know, I got no problem doing that. But like in the evening. You know, I, I've sat, not seen anything, or I, or you see them get up, like, oh my god, and they go the other way, and then you're like, <laughs> I just hiked in like a mile and a half for this, and like you're literally hunting one deer, and it's like I'm hundred yards away. Well, he's going this way. It's like, well, that sucks, and I'm driving three <laughs> hours to do it. I'm like, I need to be more aggressive, you know. And for me, morning I can get super aggressive. Like if I'm going away for three days, it's three days of pure aggressive. Like I'm not like pussy footing around. Like I'm going in. Yeah, three kills, you know, and just been fortunate enough to be, you know, pick the right bed, you know, the right the area or the right trail feeding a bed. And I've been yeah. blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it, you know, luck miss, mixed with experience. And it's just made <laughs> off of me. But there's guys that my buddy, Tony, he tries it and he's always failing. Like, it's just not his thing. He's a better evening hunter. It just fits his his nature. I don't know what it is, is how he's wired, how he approaches things or what he does, but he doesn't kill many deer in the morning. He kills most deer at night, you know, and I've always been a morning killer. You know, when I first started hunting, it was like, I just don't know why. It's just, it just drives with me better. Yeah. That's just 
So for now, like as, as I've gotten older, I'm like, I'm a morning guy. So I prefer to hunt mornings. If I have a good choice, you know, I'm like, I can hunt seven days in a row, especially being a family guy. I got, I can hunt, a, I got a week's vacation. I'm going to hunt the mornings because I know statistically speaking, the mornings is where I'm going to kill. So it's like, even, <laughs> I'll spend time with the family, you know, it's like, it just doesn't pay off for me. Yeah. So then uh, real quick, I started recording a while ago, but um Everybody, welcome back to the Deer Van Podcast. Appreciate you guys hopping, <laughs> hopping on. Um, got Greg Litzinger on from PA. Uh, hunts with Johnny Seward, Bo Martana. New Jersey. Oh, sorry. Jersey. Sorry, New Jersey. My bad. Oh, come on, give me. Uh, I'm New Jersey. You know, we don't got much. <laughs> That's right. My apologies. Um, from from Jersey, and um, and we're we're talking about kind of kind of scouting buck beds. Um, and another, well, I wanted to get into that with you, like morning versus evening and how you like scout based on that information. Like, I'm sure if you like hunting mornings a little bit more, like when you're yep. looking at a spot, you're like, okay, how does this play out in a morning scenario? Yes. Or is this even a morning scenario spot? And if yes. it's not like, do I cross it off the list? Do I leave it on the list? And how do I go about that? Yeah. I think every bed is a morning spot. Uh, <laughs> Cause they're not going to go there like a dark to go bed down, you know? So yeah, yeah. I view every bed, you know, and, you know, I, I've been trying to, I'd like to personally do some videos on that because there's, you know, a lot of people find the bed, especially this time of year, there's like hair and people are like, oh, this is his bed. And it's not really down the dirt, you know, in a strategic place a deer would bed, like a buck would bed. It's probably not his primary bed. You know, you need to find those beds. It's like, it's worn down. It's, you know, it's dish shaped, you know, like he uses it all the time, you know, three or four days a week type things. And you've been doing it long enough. Like you'll find those beds where you're like, wow that bed gets used a lot. You know, you can actually see that, you know, indentation in the ground, like the one you found, you know, you still got, it's down the dirt, you know, it's hair everywhere. It's like, there's no leaves anywhere. Their primary beds, they get used a lot. So you yeah. want to find those beds. It's like, all right, how's he coming in here? And for me, hunting in the mountains and like hill country, I've had deer come in, you know, downwind, upwind, crosswind. You know, I've had them just come over the ridge down into a bed so I'm not a hundred percent sold on jay hooking in the mountains because, you know, I was talking to, to Zach from, uh, from the hunting public about this. Like if food's over here and the wind is blowing here, you know, the leeward sides over here and that bucks over here, you think he's going to go, I'm going to go way a mile out of my way, go all the way down to come up and set and check this bed. If it's his primary bed, it's like your house, you know, you point a driveway, like your guards down, you come in, you know, it's a primary bed for a reason, you know? So he can maybe visually check it, come in at a crosswind, look at it. He never gets bumped out of there or such a rarity. Like he'll come in, you know, crosswind or come directly into the bed. You know, I've, I've had a, I've had more times than not just come in pretty much however they were. If they're coming over a ridge or coming like cross trail. So I know that goes against, you know, whatever he thinks Buck's always gonna watch, you know, or, or scent check the bed. Yes and no, not always. And I've had success in the mornings rolling the dice saying he's not going to scent check it, you know, and, and get up 20, you know, 20 yards away, 20, you know, 25 feet up and, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. No. And that, I, and you can definitely uh, see how that would play out, especially with like swirling winds and whatnot. A lot yeah. of times bucks just feel more comfortable because they're like, ah, it'll swirl in my favor at yeah. some point. Yeah. And, you know, I said, and for me, all my bucks that have come in the bed have been between seven 
a.m. and 7.45, you know, even here in the flatlands, you know, by, in South Jersey. So it's, I think, you know, the, the bucks will, before they come into the bed, especially, you know, after daybreak, especially if the wind's not in their favor, they'll just hold back and use their eyes. I mean, they got amazing eyesight. People don't talk about it, but their eyesight's amazing, man. People talk about turkey eyesight's deer see movement just as good as turkey, you know? They're on that level where it's like, they can see movement from 100 yards away, like it's not 150 yards away. And they're like, nah, I'm not going there, I'm going somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And so I think they'll just hang up sometimes, just listen. Like we all have seen that where in bucks will just walk and they just stop and they're just motionless. <laughs> it seems like an eternity. You're like, what are you doing? Just do something. You're making me nervous just standing there. Cause then you, yeah. you, know, you, you get nervous cause that deer's nervous, but they'll just watch and listen. You know, ears are always constantly radaring. You know, if they can't scent check it, they're definitely going to use their ears and eyes, you know, and then walk slow, listen, look, walk slow, listen, look, and, and slip into their bed. And that's where I had success, like setting up on those things where let's say he comes in from this way. If I'm 20 yards from the bed, I can take that shot. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a doable shot, but if he comes in this way, I got a five yard shot. But if I'm on a trail where he might like down low, 180 yards away and he comes in from this way now i'm stuck in the tree all day there's nothing i can do so you're like well this is like the old mexican standoff you know it's like and that you always lose that game because you know when i hunt beds i'm hunting like the first i'm hunting until nine and i'm getting out you know and i'm done for the morning i'm going to you know make a move either for a midday you know uh push on a ridge or something you know or a little bumping deer looking for deer sign set to set mm -hmm. up for the evening yeah. So that's, that's an interesting point. Um, so, I mean, yeah, kind of hunting a bed is like an all or nothing game, like yes. either they're there or they're not, which exactly. is kind of nice yeah. in a way. It's kind of sucks when they're not. Yes. That's going to be, it's lonely. I mean, like people see like, Oh man, you've killed some nice deer. Yeah. I might see one good deer a year, but if I see him and I'm hunting over a bed in the morning, odds are I'm killing him. You know, he's going to be within range. So you can see deer 300 yards away. That does not excite me because he's not in the wheelhouse. Like if I can get that deer within 50 yards, I have a chance of killing him. For, for me, like that's a win. Like whether I shoot him or not, like be able to beat a deer and, you know, get in that close to a buck that's super smart, you know, and that's a win in itself. You know, you might not, I might not kill him, but, you know, it's a good mental win. You know, like yeah. what you did worked, be it the wind swirls, whatever you know, or, you know, he, something happens, he runs off or a doe comes, but if you can get within 50 yards, you know, that, that buck coming to his bed in the morning, you know, mentally that's a, that's a win. And that builds that confidence that you need to be like, I'm going to, you know, all right, I know what to do next time, you know, and you, you take all these little mental notes, what's happening. Right. Yeah. And, and, and based on that, um, before I, before we go any further, I don't, I don't think this is, do you only hunt buck beds i don't think so like you you hunt a lot of different scenarios right yeah in, in the early, like october pretty much just beds i don't okay. i'm not a big food guy until you know on november 1st 2nd when the does you know, they're transitioning to does but for the most part it's it's just beds october, october. well okay. yeah it's september because our season starts in september and i guess you know even in the morning i try to set up on their beds and that's that's tricky because they get there sometimes super early here in jersey i mean they'll I've been set up an hour before light quiet and I've had bucks, you know, walk by me. And it's like, that's a buck. And, you know, and he goes in and he beds and it's like, 
well, it's not the buck you want to shoot. You know, I've had other, I've had mature bucks come underneath me, but so dark, you can't shoot, but you're like, that's a big deer. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, you blow them out, you know, you're getting down, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a risk worth taking in my opinion, for some people, it's not like, I'm, I don't mind taking a loss, you know, you know, to get that where I need to be. Right. No. And that, and that, and that the concept of, of hunting those beds and I've had a few people ask me like, or comment and say like, well, I thought bucks only like used one bed or two beds. And that's just like generally not the case. They usually have a ton that they yeah. just choose from. So that's why that's that, that hit or miss scenario. But I think the, the other thing is that you mentioned that you touched on, which was, you know what to do next time, right? Yes. Like if you screwed up or whatever, it mentally, it worked. And just because that bed was used by this 10 point today, doesn't mean it won't be used by the 12 point tomorrow because yep. they might sneak in there tomorrow. Yeah. And, and I think a lot with, with hunting in general, like, you got to have that confidence. You know, you got to have that little bit of arrogance, if you will, you know, like you got to go in knowing I'm going to shoot something. Cause if you go in like, well, maybe mm, ah, the, the wind and I, I, you, know, you can almost psych yourself out of a good spot. Like we've all done it, like walking in, like I'm going to set this tree and you see something better and you go sit that tree. And then that buck comes around that your original setup. And you're like, mm -mm, nothing. Mm. <laughs> and like, cause you know better. Like once you get set up, you're like, I shouldn't be here. Like I, I, I shouldn't be here, you know? And I mean, we've all had that scenario play out, you know, numerous times. If you haven't, you've been, you you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Or, or you get up. So, or you get up in the tree and then you, and then daylight comes and you're like, man, I have no shooting lanes. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that, that buck I killed in PA this year was like that. Like he came in behind me and I'm like, you know, Johnny likes to hunt the thick stuff. So it's like, I'm on the edge of some open and thick and that buck was in and out of thick stuff and i'm at draw like trying to do all this stuff man i'm like just give me something that you know and he just kept going in and out like he wanted to get over here but he caught my scent and he was all confused because i had some dough and heat out and he caught my scent like he didn't know what to do and then finally he turned and i had this little shooting lane you know i had to swing around in the saddle like i mean halfway around the tree and like i mean like really leaning on that saddle to get the shot like if i had a conventional tree stand i don't think i would have shot that deer because he was moving so much and I was literally like, just, I mean, I had my legs like push out in the tree and just so I can like swing around to get the shot. But yeah, I mean, I had like this little shoot lane like this in between two trees at 25 yards. And I'm like, I'm either killing this deer or I'm hitting that tree. It was like, there's no, like if, if, if it made it between those trees, that deer was dead. You know, if I would have pulled the shot left to right, I'm hitting that tree that deer would have lived, you know? Right. That is, that is, I've had that happen twice uh, on the elk I shot last year. And then one of the biggest bucks, the, the biggest buck I shot was he stopped, uh, he stopped right. I was in a big Oak and I was on the edge of a field with no cover. I think I was close to like 22 feet up and he came and fed right under my tree, ate some acorns and then started walking away from me, stopped at 15 yards in like the crotch of a giant branch. <laughs> and the only thing I could see was his vitals. So yeah. I was like, okay, thread the needle. And I got a W here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's too. Of and that's it, but yeah. And that's where the confidence comes into play. You know, like you set up on the deer, you know, you, and he's coming in, he's in range, like you feel good, you know, and then you can say, all right, I can make this shot. You know, it's those, it's those scenarios where your, your brain takes hold, like, ah, maybe you shouldn't take that shot, or maybe I should be in this tree. And you start planting those seeds of doubt. 
you know, and then something does come in and you're like, ah, I should have been in that tree, you know, and you, you know, you almost psych yourself out of that perfect opportunity, you know, because right. I don't get many opportunities. You know, I might pull my bow back once a mature buck. And I mean, that buck I lost this year in PA, I think that was the first buck I lost in a long time, 10, 15 years. You know, I've, I've shot and hit trees, but like I'm trying to thread that needle because I'm hunting to fix stuff. So it's like, yeah. I'm taking the, I'm taking those difficult shots, but I have confidence in my ability. It's like, all right, I'm going to thread that needle. I'm going to kill this deer. Right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to set this tree. I'm going to get aggressive. I'm going to kill this deer. You know, kind of, they, they work, they feed off one another, you know, you're confident. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and just being able to say to yourself, like, yeah, this is a, this is a gimme and, and we're done. Yep. Um, you know, I missed a 25 yarder this year. It's the first yeah. time I ever just flat out missed one. Um, and I didn't hit him low, didn't hit him high, just right over the top of his back, 25 yards. I thought he was 30 and, and I even had a range finder. It's just, <laughs> and I think drew my bow back, looked through my peep and he started walking away while I was looking through the peep, yeah. you know, you get those blinders on yeah. in your peep and, and, and it's like, okay, I need to make the shot. The windows, you know, three feet wide. Yeah. I gotta make the shot right here, right now. You know, how do I, how am I going to do this? He's walking away. Okay. He's not 20. He's 30. Like, let it rip, go miss. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I mean, that, that one I lost in PA, like I shot at him twice. The first shot, he was so love struck. I had to like scream at him to get him to stop. And then as soon as my, as soon as, you know, as soon as he heard my bow, my bow's quiet. I shoot, you know, a 500 grain arrow. Like I don't shoot, you know, nothing crazy, you know, but as soon as he heard the release, I mean, he went, on the ground my arrow went right over his back and i'm like and he just jumped back and i was like i'm gonna get another arrow you know and like you know yeah. but it's like you know those deer are you know i mean they got nine lives some of these deer man <laughs> yeah for sure but i know so, like oh god i was gonna say so so circling back to like um back to the the, the beds and and finding them in, in like hill country mountains um and bluff country and whatnot like so right now, what is it? It's March 31st. So be April here pretty soon. Most people are really focusing on turkey hunting. Um, I'm still doing my turkey season doesn't start until early May. So I still have another month that I'm not even thinking about it too much. Yeah. So um, I, uh, I've, I went on first scouting mission and shed mission last weekend. I got another one this weekend coming up and um and that's what, and that's what you're up to too. And I, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people in there out there that are still thinking about, okay, how can I do better next year? Cause this last year kind of sucked for me yeah. um, or I didn't get the results I was looking for. So with the, with the scouting, I mean, you're finding all these buck beds. Are you finding them? I'm sure you're finding some in season, but are a lot of them this in the spring when you're putting yeah, in all this time? That's funny. Cause I was, I was, uh, I'm working on a video now from this past weekend about i talked about like in-season betting versus you know say like winter betting yeah and like in-season betting is definitely different and a lot of people will confuse where they're finding antlers and, and beds now how they're actually going to be betting come the fall and it's not usually the case you know um here in the little small woodlots maybe but like big vast open chunks of timber you know and especially like pa they got you know thermal cover is cold them deer migrate into the pines, you know, they're not going to bed in the pines and come October, you know, there's, there's very little food in there, you know, they can, they can bed in there in a, in a pinch, but most of them want to be what is more diversity food wise. So it's, that just takes a, it's like a learned skill. Like the more you do it to get, the better you get at it. Cause 
you know, like I found a buck bed and it's prime example of a, a bed a buck would use for hunting season. You know, it's just right off the edge of the swamp. You know, he's got good access, you know, exit and he's got pretty good back cover and, you know, all danger from humans comes up, up, up on the hill because it's, uh, you know, to get down in this spot, like the parking lot's high. So you got to come down. So he's got perfect cover. You know, anything comes to the swamp, he's run along parallel on the road. Anything comes in the road, he's in the swamp, you know, so it's very good, you know, in season bedding and he might use it, you know, in, in late season, but probably not, you know, that's a thermal, it's a under a hemlock, but there's really not a lot of thermal under, you know, from one hemlock, you know, and I've, I found some doe bedding, the same thing, single hemlock in the swamp, these two little beds, you know, in season bedding, it's probably like a, a mom and a yearling, you know, or like a yearling and a fawn, you know, yeah. you know, little, little, little droppings, little beds, but tucked up underneath this hemlock is perfect in season bedding, late season, probably not, you know, you're kind of out in the open, you know, single hemlock's not going to give a lot of protection from snow, heavy snowfall and extreme winds and stuff. So, yeah, so that brings up a good, a good point is um, you mentioned the thermal cover and like south and, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, but like south facing slopes or warmer yes. slopes draw a lot more deer in the wintertime than they do in season, just because I mean, literally one, uh, when I was walking the property with my buddy this weekend, um, there, there's an area of, of, of the farm that I'm hunting our farm that I've never really like quite been able to figure out. It's a great area to kill. I just don't know where to set up in it. I've set up in it four times and haven't seen a deer. It doesn't, <laughs> it's probably like, I don't know, a three acre patch. It doesn't mean that they're not there because I get pictures of deer. It's just uh, when and why um, and understanding that. And he said to me, he goes, he goes, you're probably, this is a North facing slope and it's, it's actually a pretty decent pinch right mm -hmm. here because of this the, this rock outcropping yeah. over here like you i would sit this midday during the rut because yeah. it's north facing because it's going to be cooler yeah. and these deer are going to be running this north facing slope they might like it a little bit more and yeah. be checking beds on this north hillside um just because it's a little bit cooler they go a little bit further yeah and it could be a good early season spot you know when them you know when you're still warmer temperatures they're gonna get out of that sun you know yeah. south winds get on that other side this you know because Deer, they don't really sweat like we sweat, you know, like they have to, you know, I don't even know how deer sweat, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> they pant like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a viable option. Hunt earlier to hot days, you know, yeah. hot, hot days you get those, you know, seem to get more and more of them here in Jersey, them 70 degrees, you know, mid-November, you know, and it's like, that sun's cooking, man. Mm -hmm. oh, you know, you yeah. got all, already got winter fur on too, especially, you know, it's like, they're going to be, you know, roasted sitting on the south side yeah so i i guess yeah that was that was a kind of a tangent there but to bring it back to to <laughs> the bedding in the winter is like south-facing hillsides that thermal cover can really draw a lot of deer that you're that you mentioned aren't there during season or or they will be there but it's a lot sparser than it is like yeah. in the late season yeah um in winter time and that's in the springtime when it's when we're finding all these beds yeah uh during the scouting so how can you can you try to explain to someone like if they find a bed and and how they would go about going, okay, do you, would this actually be used during season or not? Yeah, you got, you know, try to keep it simple because I like to talk a lot sometimes. But uh, when you find a bed, you know, you got to ask a few questions. 
you know, why was he bedded here? Was it food? Look around, you know, now with Google Earth, you can check for oaks, you know, you can check for something, browse, you know, bucks will usually bed, you know, in a specific spot for a specific reason, you know, was it rut base? Are they bedding off the does? If you find a, a nice bed, you know, and then, you know, 50 yards away, you find a bunch of doe beds, all right, that's a rut bed, you know, he's, he's bedding off the does, you know, or maybe even late season, you know, he's using that buffer, you know, he's bedding behind the does, you know, danger's coming from the other side. So he's using those like an alarm, like an alarm bell, you know, you know, mm -hmm. or you know, early season, is it food? Is it near, are you near ag, you know, acorns? And if you can have an idea of why he's bedded there and then look at the, like the time of year, if you find it, say now, you will you might find a few hairs in it, you know, and that's always good. That means it got used this season at some point in time. You know, hairs will stick around in the bed for you know, over a month easily. You know, um, if you find a lot of hairs, you know, that, that could be in season, especially that's always a plus, you know, but as far okay. as like, like now, some hairs is always good. That means it's been used recently. Um, you know, even after season end, that's a plus, you know, the, some type of wind advantage, you know, uh, danger advantage. Is he watching something? you know, a human trail or a cart road, you know, or is the only bedded there like we have predominant northwest winds, you know, it's the shape of the bed indicating that he's bedding there with a north wind, you know, a northerly based wind because you like the shape of the bed, you know, you can kind of tell where his back is um, for the most part. Because his back would be to the wind. Yes. You know, so if you're like, all right, you find the bed, like, all right, it's well, it's, a, it's like a primary bed, it's down the dirt and you'll see if it's used a lot, you know, if it's against, you know, uh, like a hill country, it'd be against a rock or a tree or something, you know, and it can be a little tricky sometimes in hill country because you got, you know, if your train's like this, sometimes they're betting, you know, with their back against a tree, you know, because that's the only way they can bet, you know, so in, the, in steep, yeah. steep country, it's a little bit, a little bit tricky because they have to bed so they won't fall off the bed and they fall asleep, you know, <laughs> like you're not going to bet yeah. the other way, you know, I can, you know, have their legs, you know, straddling the tree you know so but say in like moderate hill country and flat country if you can get a good indication how the bed is facing and you can use that for your you know all right this is a north based wind all right it's north a lot he probably uses it a lot you know probably regularly but if it's like a south wind you know or like a west wind then he uses it in the, in those winds yeah that is that pretty good or is that yeah, no, no. I think that, I think that helps. It helps a lot. I think the the conversation around like, what is it? Is it a food or, or dough or, yeah. and, and I think like you said, it's, it's something you, you have to take a look at. And there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Cause like the, one of the beds I found recently, I was like, man, he could sit here all day. The acorns are just falling on his head. Like yeah. he doesn't have to move at all. You just sit yeah. here and munch. They'll just roll down the hill right to him, <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> He's got a little trough. Yeah, and, and like the marsh, like the salt marsh I hunt, there's some oak islands. And if the oaks are dropping, he's not leaving until after dark. It's like, if I can't get close enough within 100 yards of where he's bedded, and there's like, you know, the big bumper crop of acorns, he's not leaving there until dark. Right. You know? why, why so it's like, it's a very low probability bed. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's great. You're like, oh man, I know he's out there. I've seen him get up and you can hear the acorns popping. They ain't leaving until dark. Like why all the food's there, get up, you know? Right. It's like, all right, you know, dark safety. So I'll just wait till dark. You know? Right. So that's when, then that's why you got to get in there and get closer to them yep. and find yep. a way. Um, 
Yeah. And, it, and if you can't, like the nice thing about finding all this information in, in the spring is, is it doesn't matter if you bump them. It doesn't matter if you spook them out of there or anything. A lot of people have that trepidation about scouting in season because they're afraid to push their scent all over the place and bump deer and all that. Um, I have my, I, I, sometimes I'm worried about it. Sometimes I'm not, I try to be, uh, less intrusive. I try to do as much as I can in the spring. So I don't need to do a lot. Yes. Um, but I also like, if something's really not like, if I'm sitting there for a couple of days and I'm like, why the hell is nothing happening? (laughs) Something should be happening. I am in this great pinch point. There are no deer coming through here. I've sat here for X amount of hours. Um, then I'll, you know, get off my butt and be yeah. like, okay, let's find something new and let's go somewhere else. And that's like, I used to hunt real small woodlots, public, little small pieces. And I've slowly graduated, I won't call it graduated, but now I pretty much focus on the larger pieces. You know, some of the salt marshes, they're four or 5,000 acres, which is pretty big in Jersey, you know, because, yeah. you know, we don't have a lot of, you know, land by me. I mean, there's small, big chunks, I guess, close, but if it's not like 800 acres, I'm probably not really messing with it anymore because that 800 acres gives me freedom to move around a little bit more. If something's not happened, like I don't mind bumping, you know, cause like, yeah. all right, he's there, he's close. You know, if he gets away scot-free, odds are he's going to be kind of staying in that area, you know, cause it's like, all right, he's there for a reason, food, does or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. a little bit of safety. So I don't personally, I don't mind that. But then again, I hunt, you know, so many different areas. If I bump a buck out once or twice, it's like, all right, I can just go, you know, 10 minute ride somewhere else and, and hunt, you know, a different buck, you know, a different piece. Right. Yeah. And all, and that's, that's all that's developed over time and scouting yeah. and putting in the effort to go, okay, if, if, if it's not good here, let's go over here. Yeah. And that comes with, you know, being aggressive, you know, like, cause I've been said, doing this three decades now and, my dad was a bouncer. He bounced around a lot. In the morning, we'd hunt here. In the evening, we'd hunt here. We'd never hunt the same spot, you know, morning and evening. You know, even we've seen deer. I want to go here. So for me, like, it was a great tool because bouncing around, I was like, well, whatever. You know, like, I kind of was born into that, you know. We were very, we were, I've always been mobile, you know. My dad will climb a tree stands, you know, bear hugging trees, you know, with a crappy ass climber, you know. So we've always been mobile. So, yeah being mobile and like carrying all my gear and I've always done that you know it's hunting my canoe we've done that you know and paddle down the, you know the creek hunt here come back at lunch and then paddle you know the other way and hunt for an evening spot you know so yeah. being mobile and being you know adaptable you know to different changing winds I've you know been lucky that I was brought up in that type of scenario yeah and that's um a lot of you know a lot of people like in Wisconsin I mean, I have so many people go, Hey, yeah, I'm hunting my stand, you know? And that's when, you know, you're like, okay, have you had success in that stand for like the last four years? And they're like, oh, I had it the first year and it was really good. I got that great buck. Um, but I haven't seen anything since, but you know, it's, it's still a good spot. And it's like, well, maybe you want to try something different if that's exactly. the scenario that you're looking at. Like, and too, I mean, you, you see it all the time. Like people have a rut spot, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, I, jer- baiting's legal in Jersey, so it, it adds a whole different, you know, a lot of difficulties sometimes. Sure. Because people literally they'll start baiting in August and they'll bait one area until January, February. Well, it's known food. 
does bet off there, you know, and bucks you know, doing a rut will bet off the does, but they'll go into like, like a, a natural funnel and start baiting in a natural pinch. And you're like, they're already coming through here. Like, like, why are you going to bait them? They're already going to come through here because there's a road here and, you know, a field inside corner, it's 60 yards wide. You don't need to bait it, but right. people do. And it's like, well, that's just up the whole deer movement pattern, you know, and then you're like, well, this sucks because like, they're not coming through here because they come through there on high alert. You know, they're, you know, it's just, it adds a, a wrinkle that sometimes is almost impossible to get over, you know, yeah. and you got to like move on, you know, which kind of stinks because there's some good bucks and it's like, they're not coming through here, you know, right. You know, they're they're going to bet off the does and you can't get to you know, within, you know, hundred yards of that bait power, that corner without the does being on high alert. And it's like, I don't want a deer that's, you know, wound up like a spring, every little noise because, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to miss or make a bad shot on them, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't, uh, you know, in Wisconsin, um, you can't bait. Right. So I feel that people, if people do bait like in Wisconsin illegally, Mm -hmm. it works out great because the deer don't understand that that's what that's what's going on. You know, if if all 500,000 hunters started baiting in Wisconsin, they would learn real quick. Oh, that yeah. is, that's good food, but that's also death. So let's yeah. not go there. Right. Yeah. Whereas, whereas in Jersey where they've been baiting for years, the deer just understand that right off the bat. So I think a lot of people have a misconception on how effective baiting is long-term and what it can, yeah. what it can do to the, to the travel routes and the natural patterns yeah. that occur. Well, here, I mean, yeah. yeah. You'll see button bucks catch a scent of a, a boot scent or something I mean, you literally have deer doing this. Like their first sign, they smell something, hear something, is to look up. And you're like, man, deer are hard enough to kill to begin with. You know, it's like, these are button bucks. These are yearlings, you know, fawns. Just going, because that's what mom does. You know, like, I mean, I I shot a doe down the street. It was an old wooden stand. She was an old doe. I ended up killing her. You know, it took like three years. But she would walk by this old wooden stand and she would shake her legs like the leaves to scurry to get because the stand kind of fall down, like started to fall down. So she's old enough to remember when somebody was in that stand. So she, every time she walked by, like she moved her feet to get someone to move or look in that tree. And it's like, and she would do it. You know, and then every other deer would like, she would do that. All deer would like look up in that tree trying to spot danger. And it's like, that's insane. Cause as far as I can remember, that's been a rotten wooden tree stand. You know, she was, I think eight, eight or nine years old. You know, so for four or five years, I was hunting there, I think. Yeah, four or five years. Yeah, four or five. You know, it was rotten. It was falling down. So that probably happened when she was a fawn, you know, and she teaching all her other ones, you know, yeah. there's a whole, like a whole group. And it was like, like, how do you kill deer like that? You know, and that's a, a lead doe. Like, so she's just teaching generation after generation, you know, make noise and like, look up. And you're like, that's just crazy. <laughs> that is nuts. And I, yeah. And like you said, and it could have been generations before her too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that whole baiting piece, um, it adds a whole, like you said, a whole wrinkle into it. And so then if that happens in your neck of the woods, you just kind of go, ah, yeah. For here, like the bigger, the bigger pieces I hunt, you know, the thousand acre pieces, you got a bait pile. They're good. First couple of weeks of season on average, you know, guys will kill or they're good during the rut and that's your know, late season, super cold. So it's a lot of downtime 
baiting. You know, the, it can yeah. pay off. There's a lot of guys that kill in public, they kill over bait. Usually it's early, you know, during the rut, maybe a new buck comes in like late November during muzzleloader. He, he doesn't know what's going on. You know, he's catch the scent of a doe and cause they're at the bait pile and, you know, and he gets smoked, you know, oh, or late yeah. season under cold, the extreme temperatures, they got to eat. So, sure. but if I find, you know, heavy baiting, you know, you get about 150 yards away, buck sign goes back to normal. Cause these, these bait hunters, they're not roaming the woods every day after that, every sit they're walking in and walking out. They're very right. predictable. You know, every now and again, like one might go walk about, but he ain't walking very far from his recent, you know, and then he's going to leave. So it's like at 150 yard mark. It's, it's normal again, you know, as normal as it can be basically, yeah. you know, bigger rubs, you know, you get, you know, you might have one or two big rubs in your bait pile. You get about 150 yards away. It's like, all right, there's some bigger rubs, you know, 200 yards away. All right. There's some bigger rubs. So he's just, yeah. he's just scent checking that, that bait pile from, you know, 200 yards out. So he's not coming in there, you know, unless a doe, he's always, he's up at those ass basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, uh, getting back to kind of like what's going on right now in April, when you're out scouting and out checking out different areas and whatnot, are, you know, how are you, you're, you're how are you picking the areas that you're looking at? And then also, um, how are you evaluating them? Like when you're in there, are you saying, okay, this is good. This is not good. Like, what are you looking for and how are you going to like use that in the, in the fall? That's a super broad question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I use, uh, I said the, the video, I just said that breakdown on, on buck beds the other day. So I'll use like, I find an isolated bed in the edge of thickets. You know, I'm talking is that what you're, is that what your, uh, like target is, is to find beds when you yes. go and scout? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I find rubs and then I usually ultimately find beds. It's kind of, you know, I've evolved over the years where I can get into a piece, a new area and, and find what I what, what I'm specifically looking for. You know, there's times I'm, I'm just looking for rubs and I can just switch my mind off to looking for rubs. Sometimes it's beds and I can just, everything else comes white noise except for beds. You know, I'm, so I'm, you don't, so, do you, do you take like, like inventory or do you take notice of, you know, the different trails, scrapes, rubs food sources or are you really just like looking for the bed and then backtracking off of that a little bit of both like with rubs and okay. scrapes like if i find like a scraping area like on market i love hunting scrapes there's it's a it's a short window though it's you know a seven here in jersey you know it's what cameras come into play there's like a seven day window scrapes are productive for day walkers and then it's you know it's it's not consistent enough for me to say hey i want to sit here because they're coming in like every four days but you know that last week of yeah. october I'll sit scrapes every day. And then okay, once like okay. November 1st comes, it's like no, scrapes, you know, it's, yeah, they'll come in, but it's not consistent enough for me to be like, all right, I'm going to hunt here. Mm -hmm. But I find the scrapes and mark them. And then I'll just, you know, try to find some type of thick cover, you know, um, and then start the bed starts there. Cause you know, in the, in, in the swamps I hunt, you know, they, they bed in high ground. There's only so much high ground in some of these swamps. Like I'm, I'm wearing hip boots and some of this stuff. So it's like 90% of it's water. So, or say 75% water. So there's only, you know, 25% that's actually can have a bed on it. So I literally just island hop, 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 hop across the, across the swamp, you know? And 
sometimes there's beds in there. Sometimes I find them. Sometimes it's like, you know, two hours of just iron hopping for nothing, you know? And then when you find one, you look at it, you're like, all right, this is done on dirt. Like this is a good bed. All right. And you kind of break it down. Like, all right, where's my last mark? Where are the rubs? Where's the scrapes? You know, and then I kind of, sure. you know, technology is great. I pull it up on the phone and be like, man, I, it's actually a straight line shot. You know, it's only a hundred yards where it took me like 500 yards to find it. But it, you know, in the bird's eye view, you're like, that's only hundred yards from that scraping area. I was like, okay, that's, that's doable. He could hit that scraping area in the morning and in the evening with this type of wind. You look at the bed, like, all right, he's kind of bedded this direction. He might be looking that direction, you know, with the wind, he gets out, you know, he can crosswind it, you know, and I start thinking about things in, in, in that way. Sure. Okay. And that's, a, is that the same kind of process for like hill country? Yeah. You know, whatnot? You know hill country is a little more, you know, they bed in specific spots, you know, the winds are the advantage for the most part, unless, you know, the, the food is high, they have to bed low, you know, and, or in the Alleghenies, the one spot we hunt, all the access from high. So the bucks are bedding the lowest point and they're using just cover as pretty much as their bed because the wind's swirling and, you know, it's not very consistent down there. So they're, they're, they're losing the wind thermal advantage, but, they have distance, I guess is probably the best, you know, cause they're, you know, a mile from the, the trailhead or whatever. So it's like, by the time, you know, they get up to where humans might be, it's, it's done dark already, you know? Sure. Yeah. But um, it's like, hill country. It's, it's very terrain based for the most part. You know, if depends on where the axis is, if the axis is down low, the box is going to be up here. The bucks are always going to be the furthest away. Most of the time from people, not all the time, you know, sometimes they'll bed close to a parking lot or, close to a hiking trail or something so they can monitor that trail I'm like all right every Saturday you know three hunters go down you know okay I know not to go this way they can bet here and nobody goes all right I can go this way looking for those or looking for food or whatever yeah okay that makes sense uh so then when I yeah and I would definitely agree with that I think people people sometimes take those those are more or less anomalies I think yeah. they're pretty they're more rare than they are popular I guess that a buck's bedding, you know, hundred yards off the parking lot or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel that people to take that a little bit to um, like, that's more popular than it is. Cause a lot of times it's just, it's just not there. Like yeah. it doesn't work like that. And some deer, I mean, I've run across some deer that they love. It's like a, it's a game to them with humans. Like I've had some bucks that put themselves in some positions. It's like, they want to know what I'm doing. Like I've had them come in, like specifically check this trail or they'll catch my scent and I'll have them, you know, come around and looking for me. Like they want to see me. Cause it's like, I almost feel like they catch my scent. Like I beat them and they don't want to get beat. So it's like, they specifically look for me. You know, I've had them, you know, where it's good. They call, you know, yeah. And, they, and then they'll come out and they'll leave, you know, and you're looking for them. You're moving like an hour later, like they're sitting there staring at you from like a hundred yards out looking for movement because they want to know what they smelled was danger like that scent dissipation or whatever i might you know any type of scent i might be using like some deer are just just different than most yeah and like they said, want they're that the, confirmation yeah they, they're anomaly deers or it's not all the time but some deer they just want to know if, especially if they feel they got beat they want to know who beat them and they're going to stick around almost to see because uh, i've had that happen two or three times in the last 10 years where it's like yeah, oh, he's gone. He's not coming back. And you look back, he's like, he's over here in the dark, just looking out. And you're like, this mother, 
You know, and you're like, how do you kill that deer? You know, like, because he knows, like, he was beat at some point in time. He caught human scent. And he's like, uh. And then he kind of, like, fed off. And then, like, he wanted yeah. to come back, like, all right, that was a human. Okay, like, you know, go yeah. home. Beat Where yourself was up. he? What tree was he in? What do yep. I need to be aware of next time? Or should I just yeah. get out of here? Like, how, how did he get to that point without me picking him off on earlier, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, they're, like, they're, they're not, that's not common for that to happen. But yeah. it does happen. So then when you, when you find a, when you find a bed, um, how are, do you have a thought process for whether or not like you would hunt it early season, mid season or late season or anything like that? Are you looking at it going, okay, this is like an opening day bed or an opening weekend bed, or are you looking at it going, um, okay, no, this is like a, an early October bed that I'll, that I'll chase. I won't chase it until then. I'll, I usually, yeah, that's a tough, you know, uh, that's a tough question to answer because there's so many different variables coming to play. Like I said, if it's a primary bed, like you know it's primary. And here, some of the spots are hot. There's, if it's prime, you look at this spot and you're like, this got everything this deer needs. He's probably bedding there year round. You know, it's like those beds you look at, you're like, full time bed. You know, it's one of those full time yeah. beds. He's bedding there a lot all season long. You know, because why wouldn't you want to bed there? You know, he's had a lot of success bedding in that bed, never bumped out, you know, during the hunting season. So it's, it's a very useful bed to him, mm-hmm. you know, those beds, if it's big enough, it like hits all those little marks, like the width, the size, the pressure in the ground, you know, and he's has great escape. He can see very well in it. I'll throw that, you know, as soon as I can kill a buck, you know, cause here in Jersey, we got a two, two or three week doe only, unless you go, uh, if you don't kill a doe, you can't, you don't get your buck tag. You know, it's like an earn a buck, I guess you call it. Yeah. And I'm not very good at shooting does early season. Like I'm like the worst. So it's like, <laughs> so usually, you know, my bed getting aggressive. I kind of, I just start at the end of September. Cause okay. I know the odds of me killing a doe aren't, isn't very good usually. So I don't really hit beds until late September, October. And usually we get the acorn drop right about that time as well. You know, the acorns really start dropping, you know, so it's like one of the things you can walk through, you know, a, a section of woods. All right. There's some oaks here. A good chance he's bedding close by, you know, or some food here or whatever that standing corn. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother waste my time. You know, I'll wait till the corn's gone. Then he might bed there. You know, if the beans are still green. All right. He might be bedded there. You know, if the beans are brown or that, you know, or, or something or, or flooded out, he's probably not there currently. Right. So there's a lot of different variables, you know, like I'm not really a food guy, but I do pay attention to food sources, you know, because in the early season, even October, they're not, they're not going to walk a mile for food, half mile. There's just too much around, you know? So it's like, they're going to bed as close as they can to the food, you know, because, you know, that time of year it's for bucks, mature bucks, bedding food. That's all they're yeah. getting. Getting fat one way or another. They're not going <laughs> to deviate, you know, they're, they're going to straight line that food, you know, and get to that food and get back to that bed. They're not like hanging out at night and stuff like that. It's just food, 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 food. Yeah. Okay. No, and that, and that, that sounds really similar to what I, what I think I have noticed, like sometimes like in the early season or like in the springtime, you're scouting an area and you find a spot, let's just say a mile back. And you're like, man, this is a great spot. This is awesome. Um, and this is probably where these deer are bedded. And it's pretty good, like good. There's there's not a lot of cover around, but here there's still cover. 
So, you, so in my mind, um, this happened like a few, six, seven years ago. And I was like, okay, this is a great spot, like good betting, everything that they want can be here. And so then early season rolled around and it was right on the edge of a swamp. Um, it, I mean, it's all like tall grass and just scraggly ass trees all the way out to it for the mile. But then it actually becomes like a river and, and swampy right on this yeah. edge. And they bike to bed, just real thick patch right along the river. Um, maybe, maybe half an acre, but it's so thick. I've walked through it once. I don't ever want to walk through it again. <laughs> got on your hands and knees, like trying to get through all this stuff, but the deer trails are thick. And, and I know, I know they're in there. I've seen them come out. I've had trail cameras of them coming in and out of there. So I go in there early season, like sweating my balls off. Mosquitoes are everywhere. <laughs> I get set up. It's terror. Like I'm just pissed off at the world, you know, after a mile walk in and 75 degrees, I don't see a deer. So I'm like, man, do I even try this again? So I did, I tried it again, didn't see a deer again. Um, and then I put a camera out there. Just the second time in, I dropped the camera. I didn't get deer there until mid-October, mm. early, early mid-October, like October pressure, 10th. Pressure type beds. Like I, I call them pressure type beds. Yeah. It's so, not high. They're not going to bed in those weird remote places, you know, and it's like, and yeah, that's just like a, a learning process too. Like you're, you're never going to figure that one out until you throw a few sits at it and be like, wait a minute, I'm wasting my time here because they're not here, you know? Right. Yeah. So like that was, okay. That's a great, I, I didn't, I just assumed kind of like if, if you had the food source as kind of the, the epicenter of your target, mm -hmm. you are going to stay as close to that 12 ring as they can yeah. just be out of laziness until yeah. they get pushed out into those, you know, that eight, that 10 ring, that eight ring, yeah. Yeah. you know, the five ring and then off the map. Right. Yeah. That's how I've all, that's how I picture it. But I like the, I like the, the, the nomenclature you gave, which is like a pressure, a pressure yeah. bed. Yeah. I know. Cause I've, you know, some of the salt marsh spots I hunt in the early season, you know, October, I've had bucks, mature bucks, two o'clock come underneath of me. Like I'm setting up at two o'clock and it's mid September and it's, but there's no pressure, you know? And I, I think it's like a combination Like there's no pressure and the bugs are so bad. Like these bucks just don't want to be out in that Island. just getting lit up by bugs, you know, since they're little, little, they move a little bit more. You know, they get just some wind in their face or a, a better wind or something. But I've had in the last 10 years, like three really good bucks at two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, because I'm, I'm going out. I'm like, I'm going to sit. I'm going to go to that first island. They're not even bet on the islands. They're bet on the mainland. But nobody right. goes out. There. Like they have no reason to go to the island. It's like, yeah, this is like awful. I mean, the one time I'm literally like hanging a stick on. It's like, that's a big buck. I was walking <laughs> like 10 yards. I'm like. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, it's like, and it gets dark at like seven 30 and you're like, right. And I know nobody's been out there and it's like, cause why go out there? You know, why walk through all that water or all that stuff? I don't need to, you know? And then it's like, well, that sucks, you know, but right. that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I've, I, and I've had the exact, the exact opposite of what we're having the conversation about is yeah. like, you know, your cameras are lighting up until um, like early season in yeah. for the first two weeks of season and then after that you never get anything again because they move out right yeah. the exact opposite and, and, and that's and standard the, pressure the best analogy i ever heard I, I can't remember where i heard it i think i talked to clint about it but every two weeks the deer woods changes so you need to change with it you know 
human pressure changes, food changes, the sunlight changing, it's constant change during hunt season. So you need to be able to adapt to that change. And like when somebody, like I said, I would love to know who told me that or where I read it or heard it, or you know, I think I heard it somewhere. And I'm like, that's just so good. You know, like every two weeks, you got to change because, you know, two weeks in the deer world's probably like a year for us. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's a, it's a lot going on. You know, you got, yeah. you go from, you know, velvet to hard horn to isolation, to pre-rut, to rut, you know, to, you know, trying to stay, trying not to get killed, you know, trying to breathe, trying to eat, trying to sleep. And it's like, that's a very good, you know, for me, like, that made sense to me, like, all right, every two weeks, because I know, like, September first two weeks, still some velvet, you know, they're still hitting the fields, and then mid-September, you don't see them in the fields, you know, and it's like, they transition to getting ready for the oaks, and there's, like, two weeks of, like, deer scattering, finding the food, you know, and then it's, like, isolation, and then it's, like, all right, pre-rut, then it's rut, you know, and then it's, like, post-rut, and it's, like, I don't know, it kind of works out, you know. Yeah, 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 no, that's a great analogy, and I've, I've explained that a couple of times in different ways, but I like the every two weeks because yeah. it, it really is. I mean, if, if you only hunt weekends, which a lot of people do oh. is like I hunt Saturday, Sunday, um, you really only get like those four days. And then you're like, shit, now I should be doing something different because yeah. the soybean field isn't good anymore. Like I'm not seeing that's, anything. And, and if that's where, like being mobile pays off, you know, yeah. having like having your gear on your back, you know, if you have a farm, it's one thing, but if you hunt public and like, and you're, unless you have like 17 stands out in a piece of woods, you know, like you're always going to be behind eight ball. And then it's like, all right, well, I'm moving stands. I'm doing this and this, but if your gear's with you all the time, like you're just ready to go hunt that hot sign, you know, find that hot sign, hunt it, you know, find the hot yeah. sign, hunt it. you know, and it's yeah. like, that's very difficult for a lot of people because they see a good deer in one section of woods. Like I'm not leaving that deer might have been passing through, you know, it's like, so you waste your whole season on a deer that's not coming back you know right yeah or yeah i mean he's he walked through and he's he's was transitioning yeah. to this other food source over here or this other yeah. bedding area or this yeah. you know this doe bed that he's after that you yeah. know have you ever seen like those like bucks move spots just for well this is kind of a, a stupid question i'm not even gonna ask it um <laughs> i was gonna say have you seen bucks move spots for does and yeah that's got yeah. of course um yeah. So like, I, cause this year, one of the things I noticed was that there were bucks that were like frequenting, um, like a, a field on our property. Like I, I'd always get the same three, four bucks, you know, every couple of days in this field, not a whole lot. And then like kind of late pre-rut hit. And then all of a sudden, like these three, four bucks now are not hitting this field. They're over in this field because there's eight does that have been using this field regularly. Yeah. So they're just totally moved. And now, you know, if, if you were chasing that buck in that field and you're not paying attention to that pre-rut and, and that two week changeover, now you're still hunting that field and they're not even there. Yeah. And that's, you know, where, like I said, the weekend warriors do really struggle. Um, especially people that don't use cameras. Like, I mean, I, I've never used a cam camera to pattern deer to kill. Like all these deer in the wall here, not one trail camera picture of any of them. It was all just hunting beds of being just hunting a lot, like putting time and time and time. And you're like, sure. that's it. Now I use cameras, get a lot of intel. Even though I hunt more, it's, you know, having good intel for weekend warriors is crucial. Like I, I tell my buddy who's a overroad trucker, he's got cameras. He's like, oh, I'll put it out. Maybe I'm like, did you get two days to hunt? Basically, you know, you're gone all week. You don't know what's happening. Like you got to get like yearly data 
intel from this one spot. You, you like hunting this one spot, it's 500 acres, know that 500 acres, like know every tree, every spot, like, and know it all, camera bomb it, you know, get all that intel, get like really so you know, like your weekend's gonna be productive. If not, I mean, you really are behind the eight ball, especially in some states that don't allow Sunday hunting. You get one day to hunt, you know, one day right. to scout. That's a lot, man. Like that's very hard to do, you know? Yeah. I've said, I've said before and I, and it's something that I stick by is like, there's, there's a lot of different gear that you can buy on the market to, to help you and, and improve your success rate and, and minimally and whatnot. But the thing that really impedes people from being success, successful, including myself and almost all of us is time, Yeah, yeah. man, it's time. And and one, I don't know, I don't know, maybe you can help me think of others, but cameras are what give you time. Like they essentially give you time. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah. And they give you like, that intel. You know, uh, over two or three year span, you know, like I've been running cameras off and on for probably a decade, all white flash cameras. I leave them up. You know, and I used to leave them up for weeks at a time back then. And now I leave them up like all season. I still got seven cameras out. I still got to get out of the woods. I get you know, six cameras. I like the two of them. I'm like, I don't know where they're at. Like they're in a piece of woods. Don't know where they're at. So I'm like, I'll stumble around them, you know, possibly like I've, I've, I found cameras two years later and it's like, you know, pull that car. And it's like, Holy, and it's like, wow, <laughs> completely hunting this all wrong. You know, like, yeah. so cameras do give you that, uh, until that you need, like I was hunting this scraping area in the salt marsh for like three years. It's, giant scrapes everywhere rubs i hunted it day in day out every wind rain never seen a deer i decided to put a camera on it and it's all 2 a.m this whole scraping area from like 11 to 2 a.m so for three years i wasted prime time hunting an area that's wasted time you know and like yeah. that camera's like all right you know like i don't know why it's just 2 a.m you know because the bucks do live on that on that big chunk but they just it was from like all nighttime for some reason. So I'm like, oh, three years of my life, I'm never going to get back, you know? And it's like, yeah. and it's, that's the value of those kids, man. That's, that's time, man. That is the time. And like being I'll sell dad, cameras. Dude. Yep. Being a dad and, and, you know, yeah. a husband, it's even less time. Like you know, my wife's pretty great. She allows me to, you know, do what I do as much as I possibly can. Um, but before I had like wife and kids, I was, I was in the woods every chance I got, you know, now it's like, all right, I can be home at one and I'm out in the woods. I'm finding good signs. Like, I thought her one. And I'm like, oh, texture was like, yeah, I'm way back to the truck. You know, and it's like, I'm not back to the truck. And it's like, but I was kind of come up with some weird excuse because it's like, I, I can't get out here. You know, like, this is it. This is my one, you know, hoorah, basically. You explain like my every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, babe, I'll be back at 11, 10 55 rolls around. Sorry, got stuck in the mud. You know, I'll be back at uh, 11.45, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, I was with Johnny last weekend, and we found those sheds on Sunday. And it poured down rain. It was such a good spot. And, like, we are so far back. It's like, all right, we'll get back. And the signs kept getting better, and we're getting sidetracked. We got to go this way, and we're over here, there, you know, and it's everywhere. And it's like, dude, I got a six-hour ride home. And it's like, you know, and it's like I'm, like, hauling, and I hit rain all the way home. Like, it was, like, the worst. I had, like, no sleep going to work Monday. Like, I was, like, a zombie Monday. It was awful. But it's like uh, offer deer, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, but but yeah, the, I mean, those cameras just give you, they give you time. And and if if there's one thing that, 
that all hunters would want more of <laughs> it, it is time and especially like the confidence like you say to know like is this spot viable or not you know that's one of the hardest things is is especially hunting a lot of public land you're like okay there is a good scrape here um there is good rubs there's clearly tracks all over here and and especially those like kind of mid mid far back areas because the spots that you find like that really close to the parking lot you're like ah, i'm sure this is a 2 a.m spot like yeah. not worried about it i'm sure this is 2 a.m but like say say the the property you can get as far back as two miles and you get to that one mile area kind of and you're like okay will this hold deer yeah. or not and is this midnight i remember i put a camera on one scrape um it came, there's a four wheel trail that runs through this property and it stops at about a mile. And this thing was about 1.1 miles. It's great, great scrape. Um, came out of a real thick, connected, a real thick kind of um, oak island um, through a bunch of tall grass to another oak island along a creek um, with some tree lines in it. So it was good cover, good travel path through them. Lots of, uh, lots of cover there going from one kind of island to the other there's big scrape on it right when you cross the creek it's like okay this is pretty good it's actually pretty close to the it's closer to the or it's closer to the trail so it's not that far of a walk maybe i can sneak in here early season and catch something right um or early i should say early pre-rut because it's just a big scrape so i'm looking like october 15th to like the 22nd or something like that and uh so i put a camera on there in early october and I let it sit all the way through until gun season in Wisconsin, which is like November 20th, something like that. I pulled it and um, tons of deer sign, definitely some daylight, but there wasn't a buck over a year and a half. It was mm -hmm. all youngsters, yeah. nothing, nothing decent. Um, and it just kind of confirmed, okay, that is that like midway point because I know a quarter mile back, I have another camera on a scrape and I'm getting mature deer there. Yeah. So it, it gives you that confirmation. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny as back to cameras and, and the, the, the deer I killed in the salt marsh this year, like I walk by the this hot scraping area and big tracks, like I'm, I'm, I'm hunting here and I'm shooting that deer. And I was going back to a bed, which I have a camera. I put a camera out in August and I pulled that, that camera right before gun season. It was our December. And the day I killed my deer that, a big, you know, you know, 130 inch caliber deer come off like through the area. Whether I would have shot him or not, you know, being able to shoot him is, is you know, neither here nor there. I, I wouldn't say I would have killed him, but he would have came through that area. You know what I'm saying? If he came off that one bed, I probably could have shot him, but I mean, I ended up shooting another buck. But it's like, wow, I wish I wouldn't have pulled that camera because it's like, mm, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, that's the, <laughs> you know the, the downfall of cameras, like, oh, I wish I was hunting here or no, like, yeah, I had a, <laughs> I was hunting the salt marsh this year and I've been really hunting this one spot because there's like 150s and 160s that come through for the three days. So I was hunting one scraping where they come through the little scraping trail and I didn't see nothing. I pulled the camera right for gun season and the same morning I'm hunting, you know, 150 inch caliber nine is standing like at nine o'clock in the morning on this one scrape and it's like, I hate cameras. It's like, <laughs> it was so hard. I like rolling through on the, on the computer. I was like, I was like, he's just like, he was there. I, and I just used like cheapy throwaways in that spot because of all the theft, you know, it's a, a third out of camera Tasco or something. And it's got like a, an automatic 
two minute delay, you know, two pictures, I think two minute delays. I had like eight pictures here. So he's scraping, hanging out, scraping, hanging out. It's like, really, you can't just, you really got to like rub it in. And it's like, yeah, yards away. Like didn't see nothing. Didn't see a doe. Didn't see, didn't hear a bird. And I'm like, oh, you, I sat all day too. It was like awful, man. It was like brutal, but I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, re- I would rather not know that, you know, because that's like, that just kind of hurts because it's like, I was there just in the wrong spot, you know? It's right. Like... Well, next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, is there, I mean, is there anything else that, uh, that you want to chat about? I, we're up on an, uh, pretty close to an hour here. So, um, and I, and I know you got other things that you got to get done today and I, and I do as well, but, um, we talked a lot about buck beds. Was there anything we didn't cover about the beds that, that you want people to. Um, socks, you know, like, I mean, for, for new guys, you know, that are getting into this or even seasoned hunters that are getting into to bed hunting um, size, you know, if you find a, a, a bed that's 36 inches, you know, here in Jersey, that's not a big deer, you know, maybe in, in certain parts if you're like hunting coastal deer, that might be a big deer. But for me, like a, a deer that's walking around, that's going to dress 180, 190, 42, 44 inches, you know, so the bigger the bed, you know, usually the bigger the bed, you know, (laughs) and that's a big thing, like being able to decipher bed size, you know, like 36 inch, it's a good starting point for somebody getting into bed. You find a bunch of them, that's a year and a half old, like nothing wrong with cutting your teeth and, you know, and shooting a couple of these deer and like learning off of them, especially if you can't find like a big bed because there might not be a big, he might not be bedded there. If all you have is a year and a half, two and a half year old kind of caliber deer, hunt them, man. Learn, you know, like don't go after this, you know, use what you got, you know, like, yeah, cause yeah. I don't, I don't have one deer in the books. Like none of these deer make record books. Close, no Pope and Youngs, you know, and there's always big deer. There's always old big deer somewhere on your property, you know, might not be 108 inches, might be 100 inches, you know, but he could be old. You know, right. So don't get caught up in the antler size, you know, get caught up in that experience. And, and how can this make you a better hunter say next year, the following year, you know, and, and really look at it from a, a, a long term standpoint, you know, don't it's, you play the long ball, basically, you're like investing in stocks. Like you're, you're playing for this over here, you know, like this here, sometimes you got to give up this to get this, you know, I didn't kill a deer for three years, a couple years ago because I wanted I didn't see anything worth killing, not because I wasn't trying, but I just couldn't find anything worth killing. Yeah. <laughs> and when I did, I always lost. But you know what? Just keep at it, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. No, that's 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 a great point. The the size, the size of that bed can tell you a lot about yeah. what's gonna be there. Yeah. Um and and also, you know, if if you find multiple beds, if you're out there and you're looking in an area and all of a sudden you pop up, you know, five beds that are all within like a 50, 60 yard radius. Well, figure out which one's the biggest. Yeah. That's where the big boy's sitting. And then those are the other subordinates yeah. around them. Yeah. You can use a lot of the intel from the bed, the tracks, exits, entrance, yeah. you know, usually bucks will enter and exit, you know, the two ways out of a bed, you know, this way, this way, you're like sitting in that bed, find out where the back is facing and be like, all right, where would you go? All right. <laughs> this way, you know, go 56 yards that way and really like break it down. You have 50, mm-hmm. 60 yards and look, really look, do you break that bed down? Why is he bedded there? Where is he going? You know, there's probably right. a faint rub somewhere, you know, or a scraping area this way, you know, use that bed as Intel and kind of go off that. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if you find that 
and and you can't hunt or you you don't have a way to get in on that bed in the morning right off that bat you get figure out two setups on either side of that bed that'll work based on a different wind or time of day or time of year or something like that and get it get it done in the field now in april don't wait to test it (laughs) in october like just figure it out and go okay this is this is the tree mark it on your onyx yeah. You know, get or make a mark on it somehow and and get that thing set up. Like I I used to keep of I, I mean I used to be a really more detail oriented, but I would find a tree and I would knew how many sticks to get up, how high I would need, how many degrees I need to face the stand because you have two shooting lanes here and here. And in the dark, it's easy to put your stand this way. And next thing you know, you just lost your shooting lanes because it's behind you. Yeah. So you need to know set your stand up in the dark in this direction, not this right. direction this direction because we've all done that get up in the dark like where am i facing like i need to be yeah and i think i to your point i mean do i need to be three feet higher two feet lower like where where was that lane that i needed to be at and it's good to have a partner like my buddy tony like i'll get up in a tree and he's he's shorter than me like he's five one i'm five ten so it's like we have different shooting lanes (laughs) yeah so it's like we always set up for him most of all, because I can lean down and shoot, but he can't get taller and shoot. You right. know, like I can shoot over some stuff. I can just bend down and shoot, you know? So have somebody walk the trail you want to be on. Like, all right, I got there, there, there. So you're ready. That moment comes up like, all right, I'm killing this deer. It's not like right. I walked by, I wasn't ready. You know, set your stand up in position that's going to you know, pay off. You know, if you're lefty, set up accordingly. If you're righty, set up accordingly, you know? Yep. No, that makes sense. That's a great point. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on, Greg. Hey, yeah, man, before thanks. we hop off, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, YouTube, bow hunting fiend. Um, that's all I got. Yeah. No Facebook, just YouTube and Instagram. Okay. Bow hunting fiend guys go find Greg, hit him with a comment. You got questions on all this stuff. Find him there. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. And also, uh, the podcast is sponsored by arrow hunter saddles. So if you are in the market for a saddle, as Greg mentioned earlier, I mean, they provide a lot of advantages in, in, yes. very, in certain scenarios. Um, I use one about half the time uh, as my primary stand. And then the other half the time, I just wear it as a harness when I'm just sitting yeah. in a stand anyway, because it's yeah. just, it's a lot easier than putting on a full harness and you're exactly. still attached to the tree. Yeah. So pretty much wear my arrow hunter, uh, like every single time I go out to the woods. Um, and yeah, if you're looking for a saddle, please be sure to check them out. And uh if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would really appreciate that. Helps people find, helps more people find me. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. All right.